Welcome, everyone, to the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley. It is Thursday, October the 7th, and we got a ton to get into. And by the way, it is 2021. In case you forgot the year or just wanted to know what it was, it's not 2020 anymore. It is now 2021. And we are going to start today's podcast by talking about mortgage demand. So we know rates are moving up across the board and many were wondering what impact this was going to have. And there's no doubt that it was going to hit refis worse than purchases. And the data shows exactly that. The refi index fell 10% week over week. Like I said, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association, that is 16% lower than the same week one year ago. Purchases fell as well, but not as much, only down 2% from the previous week and were 13% lower than the same week one year ago. So what does that mean overall? Total demand dropped 6.9% from the week earlier. And like I said, it's not that surprising because of what is happening with rates. And for the second week in a row, yeah, Rates were up, like I said, across the board. And as has been kind of the pattern, the 30-year fixed is continuing to move at a faster pace than the 15-year. For example, the 30-year fixed, the average contract interest rate increased four basis points to 3.14%, which is actually 13 basis points higher from the same time one year ago. So last week was the first time that we eclipsed that year-over-year comparison, and more than likely that is going to continue to be the case moving forward. The 15-year fix did increase week-over-year up two basis points to 2.45%. However, unlike the 30-year fix, that is still down 14 basis points from one year ago. Now, Joe Kahn, the NBA's Associate Vice President of Economic and Industry Forecasting, notes that the reduced activity did nothing to lower the overall loan balance. Some maybe thought we'd say, okay, maybe some prices uh, are going to be dropping, but not the case. There's still so much demand out there. Uh, Kahn said in a statement, government purchase applications were up 1%, but that was still not enough to bring down the average loan balance of 410000 with home price appreciation and sales prices remaining very elevated. Applications for higher balances, conventional loans still dominate the mix of activity. And because of the big drop that we saw in refis, the refinance share of mortgage activity decreased to 64.5% of total applications down from 66.4% from the previous week. So as I keep saying, this is not that surprising. There is no doubt that when rates go up, especially because we've hit this sort of psychological point where 3% has become kind of the baseline for a lot of people for so long, since the pandemic, really, and really kind of the bottom of the pandemic, anything under 3% was sort of that magic number. And anytime rates jump above 3%, there's sort of this psychological aspect that keeps people from saying, well, hey, I might as well refi the home, even if it makes sense. And in a lot of cases, it does. There's still millions and millions of homeowners out there who would benefit from a 3% rate or three and a quarter or even three and a half. But because... They see that 3% rate and so many other people got two point something. They're like, ah, wow, there's no point in me refining. 
And so there's a psychological component here that will dissipate as we move forward. But for a while, you're going to see a massive drop, especially in refis, just because people are so used to and want to see that two point something. So the minute you quote three point something, they're immediately like, ah, never mind. My buddy got 2.8. My buddy got 2.5. I'm not refining a 3.1 or 3.2 or whatever it is. Eventually, people will accept this new reality. And as I said, there are millions and millions of people out there that would benefit from doing a refi, even with rates above 3%. But that psychological thing is, it's big. It's going to have an impact, no doubt, at least in the near future. Now, for those that don't know, it is jobs week. That means we got our multiple jobs reports. We got the ADP report comes out on Wednesday. We got initial jobless claims, as always, on Thursday. And then on Friday, the big monthly jobs report, which is always very anticipated. What does it mean? Because it does, it dictates what the Fed is going to do. Are they going to hit their employment numbers? And ADP has not exactly had the the best track record. They've been eh, kind of off from what the monthly jobs report follows. And the monthly jobs report's the big one, the one that we get from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's the baseline. Everything else is just sort of window dressing. And so the ADP report can give us an indication, but it's been so off. It's always the opposite of what the big report says. So what did ADP say this week for the month of September? It was positive. Over 500,000 jobs created. In fact, 568,000 to be exact. And this was the biggest number that we have seen since June when they reported 661,000 jobs. Now, most of the job growth occurred in service-oriented large corporations. For example, large corporations created 390,000 jobs, mid-size created about 115,000, and small businesses created 63,000. Now, the service-producing sector created 466,000 jobs, compared to the good producing sector that saw a jump of 102,000. And where do you think that job growth came from? Talking services, you're talking job growth. Delta variant is waning. We're seeing a little bit more opening up of the economy. Where did those job growth, where did it come from? Leisure and hospitality. Saw the biggest jump, 226,000 jobs, followed by education and health was up 66,000 professional and business, up 61,000 traded transportation and utilities, up 54,000 and manufacturing, up 49,000. So what was the analysis on at least this ADP report? Goldman Sachs reacted saying, quote, this morning's ADP data was consistent with a pickup in job growth. We left our September non-farm payroll forecast unchanged at 600,000 ahead of Friday's report. So we're going to see, could this be the first month where the monthly jobs report and the ADP report look somewhat similar? And remember, ADP is looking at private. It's not looking at government, which of course the monthly jobs report includes. So um, it is jobs week. So get ready tomorrow. We'll be talking about initial jobless claims. And then on Monday, We'll be talking about the big Friday report. So what is happening on this Thursday morning? Initial jobless claims at 830. We'll get those numbers and mortgage rate data will also be released at 10 a.m. from Freddie Mac. 
more than likely will show growth in mortgage rates like we saw from the Mortgage Bankers Association on Wednesday. One topic I did want to hit on before we call it a show, podcast, whatever you want to call it. I did want to talk about trade real quick. We talked about the trade imbalance data that we got on Tuesday that showed the trade imbalance, basically meaning us trading with the rest of the world, increased last month, August, the biggest number that we've ever seen on record, 73.3 billion. But there's something interesting about that because anyone knows that's listening to this podcast or used to listen to my radio show or reads anything I post on Facebook or Twitter or anywhere else knows that I am not a fan of tariffs. And I bring that up because last month, we not only saw the largest trade imbalance, we saw the largest take in pay from tariffs on record, or at least in recent history. I think it was around $7.8 billion. Now, what am I talking about? Yeah, that's money that Americans are paying to import products. That's what tariffs are. They are a tax. And the argument for tariffs has always been that tariffs will encourage domestic businesses, domestic consumers to use domestic products. Well, if the trade imbalance tells you anything, that's not the case. So all we're doing is taxing American businesses, American developers, American consumers more money, and we have done nothing to balance that trade deficit. Now, what's interesting about tariffs is they are bipartisan. They were started by Trump, and they have been continued by Biden. And you would think at this point, this is the data that we need to prove how horrible tariffs are. And so I'm hoping this is a eye-opening moment for both sides of the aisle to say, you know what? Maybe we're not doing this right. Maybe it's time to get rid of these tariffs. I'm being optimistic. It's probably not going to happen, but it's right there. Black and white. Highest amount of money we have ever gotten for tariffs, at least in recent history. Highest trade imbalance. Clearly, if that is the main goal of tariffs, they are not working. Now, I can tell you, here's what we're going to be talking tomorrow about the jobless claims and the mortgage rate data, but we're also going to be discussing, this is getting a lot of attention on Twitter, at least among those that follow housing, what is going to happen with the conforming loan balance? And I've been reading some pieces, I've been reading some tweets, I've been reading whatever I can. We're going to be talking about it tomorrow because they are projecting the biggest Increase, which makes sense because home prices year over year have skyrocketed, which means we're going to have to raise that conforming loan balance. What is it going to be raised to? And some of these estimates from experts, people that know craziness. We're going to talk about it on tomorrow's podcast. But you guys, enjoy the rest of your Thursday. I will talk to you again on Friday. And as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. Wait.